CJ, we're recording this before you actually play a game, so I can ask you technically things that are uh, before the season you're excited about. Um, there's guys that are coming back after play, not playing for a long time. Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, you can maybe count Victor Oladipo in there, John Wall. Anybody like you're excited to see back in the game as a basketball fan? I'm excited to see Zion first and foremost because he's my teammate. I think that's the easy answer. I haven't seen him in practice in preseason for so long. I'm excited to see Kawhi as like a, as a basketball purist, being able to see the way he plays the game, how his skill set has evolved, the ball handling, the shooting, the ability to finish around the basket, the mid post game. Really happy about John Wall, um, a guy who's also a Virgo first and foremost, but <laughs> the way he plays. He plays with passion. He's he's an exciting player to watch. I know he went through some tough times personally uh, on his battle the last couple of years of not playing and you know dealing with some family stuff. So I think those are three guys I'm definitely excited about seeing. And then Jamal Murray, a fellow Excel guy. Um, back in the day, we were Excel guys. And seeing him come back from an injury, I know how much he loves the game. I know how much he works. And I'm excited to see him and, and, and how they will run that pick and roll and league pass because I'm a league pass junkie. <laughs> I was just about to say, I put out my predictions uh, for ESPN.com, and I kind of want to tell you, but I kind of don't. <laughs> because well, you're not, your team is not one of the conference finalists, but Denver is. Oh, so. wow. Wow. Well, I mean, it, I think it's important that we're honest with each other because yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read every article that you put out. <laughs> and if I see that you think these things about us but haven't shared them with me, I'm going to fill the type of way. All right. And I probably won't be here very long. So I'm glad you shared it. Time to jump right into it. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. Behind me, as you can see, we still have the cash cow. It has not been hung up yet. Over from my left, we have Derek Jeter, who's who's you know a legend. I talked about how he signed his middle name. Love him. Favorite player. And across from me on the screen, we have Izzy Gutierrez. Izzy, how's life on basketball eve? Right, NBA starts on Tuesday. Recording this on Monday. How are you feeling about this season? I know that you have us not making it to the conference finals. I just want to talk about <laughs> why you have us <laughs> to the conference finals. By the way, Derek Jeter, not really a legend down here in Miami. Not so much. He came and went. Didn't do much for the Marlins, but. uh yeah, man, it's this, this is extremely exciting. I was at your uh, preseason finale here in Miami. That was a finale for you, right? Here no, in Miami, that was second, second to second last, to we, last. Ended up, we ended up playing in in Birmingham against Atlanta. Okay, right, right. Well, uh, it was good to see you guys. Pretty much at a uh, dress rehearsal mode. And man, that Trey Murphy the third can really shoot the ball. Um, but I think everybody is excited to see Zion. I, I just, you know, we've seen 80 some games of him. We saw 61 a couple seasons ago. Um, you only have the experience of having played with him this preseason, having trained with him uh, since being traded over there. What are you excited about with Zion? He's such a unique person, such a unique player. I'm excited for the world to get to see the work that he's put in behind closed doors. I'm excited about his, his explosiveness, his athleticism, Larry used the word in describing him. He talked about his gravity. Like he has a certain type of gravity on the court to where the defense has to know where he's at all times. They have to kind of load up. And he's a player you have to pay attention to all the time. And the fact that he has so much gravity, it means like guys will get open jump shots. Like today, for instance, in practice, I had a lot of open jump shots. Now, whether mm -hmm. I made them or missed them is, is you know, another <laughs> story. But I was There's no tape of that anywhere. There's definitely tape of it. But I, I haven't been that open in a long time. And I think... He's going to make the game easier for everybody. We're going to make the game easier for him. He hasn't played with, you know, 
this this version of Brandon Ingram, like a guy who's at a different level now, I would say, and he would agree. He hasn't played with me, a player like myself who can run a pick and roll, who can create, you know, a different level of gravity in terms of isolations, making sure the defense loads up. And I think he hasn't played with a player like JV, Trey Murphy the third, this version of her, like. There's a lot of stuff that he hasn't seen. He hasn't played for Coach Willie. And I think it'll be really cool to see how we utilize him, but also how he's grown as a player. And he talked about in Sports Illustrated um, article about how he's looking forward to showing some things that he hasn't showed yet in his game. And that's not just the scoring he's talking about. He's talking about other aspects as well. Describe him to me because like he comes across as like this aw shucks guy, so lovable. Um, and with his type of game, that really powerful game, you you want to see you know a mean streak, and it seems like he's got that. But I'm just wondering where he is from you can, from your perspective in his career, and being vocal, being leader, being uh, uh, assertive, you know, with your teammates, even though he's only in his whatever it is third fourth year. He's aggressive. He's very calculated with how he moves on the basketball court, but he's a killer for sure. You know, I played with a certified killer in Dame, right? So I know what it looks like, but everybody does it in different ways. Like he can kill you with a smile, but he can also be mean and angry and, you know, flex on you and, and yeah. show that show that the weight room pays off. So I, I think based on what I've seen, and, you know, obviously this is just preseason. This is just practices. This is competitive. You know, we're scrimmaging against each other. Like it matters. Loser has to run, but I think he's going to be hungry. I think there's a different type of excitement that he has having gone through the hurdles of losing weight, the hurdles of the injuries, the hurdles of not being able to play. Like having gone through that stuff makes you stronger, makes you better, but it gives you a different level of appreciation that I think he's going into this season with. When you look at his numbers from the last uh, time he played 61 games, 27 points, 61% from the field. Um, it fe and, and again, very inexperienced, probably not in the best shape, not even as good a shape as he's in right now. Um, not really a comparison, but what do you see? Like, describe his game then. Describe what what he can do in the NBA that makes those numbers, like, from his second year seem like they're only going to get better. I mean, honestly, I haven't played against him, like, on another team and mm -hmm. then be able to see it up close. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch how he scores right like he does a lot of his damage in the paint obviously he's very effective he's very efficient he has great english around the basketball english i mean his ability to manipulate you know his layups you know they call yep. it the jelly to jelly right like to be able to spin the ball at a certain type of angle obviously he can dunk and he can do those things but he has great touch and i think that gets lost in the athleticism in the brute strength in the mean dunks like the kid got great touch around the basket he's got great feet He's mobile. He's like a freak train, right? Like he's very, very strong and sturdy, but he's nimble enough to move and spin and be graceful mixed with the power. And I think that's the cool part that I've seen. The 27 and 61% is crazy. So that's hard to do in an empty gym, right? Like yeah, it's hard to do in an empty gym, but I think it's the way he plays that is just really, really impressive. And I think KD talked about, you know, him being one of one. And I think he's right. Like I've, I've watched the game. I watch League Pass. I'm a YouTube junkie. I really, really, really care about this game. And I've studied it so much so that, like, I don't think I've seen a player as dominant as him at this size, at this hmm. age, ever. Yeah. So Durant's quote was, you've seen the guys at that size, six, seven, that can get up and down the floor and move, but not at that level, though. 
You've seen guys like Jason Maxiel. I'm not saying they jump as high as Zion, but they were undersized guys that played bigger. And Zion's one of those guys. Rodney Rogers. I'm missing so many guys that were that tall, 6'6", Charles Barkley, bruiser type guys that played bigger. But Zion's athleticism trumps all of theirs by far. And when you add that to the mix, it makes him one of one. Now, how much of that do you think was KD just trying to put Charles Barkley in the same basket as Rodney Rogers and Jason Maxey? <laughs> No, I don't think he was putting him in the same. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He said, I was gonna say he said he forgot so many guys, but I yeah, think yeah. he's saying all this to say that he was dominant, right? Charles mm-hmm. was dominant, right? Those guys were dominant in different ways, but Z has more athleticism, he has more explosion, he's probably averaged more points per game, shot a better percentage than those guys did specifically in their second year in the league. Like, I know Charles was a beast, right? Charles was very yep. dominant, but I don't remember him averaging 27 on 60% in year two. Like, I, unless, I'm, unless I'm just forgetting. Did he do that? Did he do that? In year two, Charles Barkley, 20 points per game, uh, 57% from the field, not bad. Although the effective field goal percentage, 58%. So he didn't shoot anything from three, right? So yeah, 20 points, 12.8 rebounds. That's where Charles I mean, is maybe a little bit different. Hall of Famer. Charles was no slouch by any means of the imagination, but I think KD's point is that these guys were dominant, and they were dominant in different ways. The way Z dominates is unlike anything we've seen. Like We haven't seen this version of dominance this young. Uh, I think the list is very short. Him and Kareem, maybe one other player that have averaged 27 on 60-plus percent from the field. Period. Yeah. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Last thing on Zion, though. the um, I'm just super intrigued by the idea of point center. Like he has that ability, right? Like he he can run the pick and roll. He can do all that stuff, bring the ball down after the rebound, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think Alvin played him at the one. Some Stan definitely played point Zion. And I think for us, it's just about getting the best out of each individual player. Like this guy, you know, is going to be able to rebound, right? So he's going to initiate some of the offense. We want to take advantage of his skill set. We want to take advantage of his handle, his vision. So, I mean, 
this is a guy who's capable of doing a lot of different things in the court. And slowly throughout the season, as we progress, we'll continue to put him in different types of positions to see how he responds, but also to tap into his skill set, to also tap into my skill set, which is playing on the ball and off the ball, also to tap into BI skill set, which is playing on the ball and off the ball. And I think when you combine us three with the ability to do those things, you combine a JV, throw in a Herb, throw in a Trey Young, throw in a Jose, throw in a Najee, like keep going on and on. These are all pieces that are interchangeable. Larry Nance Jr., right? Like another guy who can initiate mm. offense, who's good at moving the ball around, who's good at finding people. This will be very important for our success long-term, the ability to move move different pieces on the puzzle to make sure it fits properly. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what my predictions were, okay? But you should know that I find these things to be nonsense, especially earlier in the year, because you don't know what these rosters are necessarily going to look like in February and March. But... Even though you're my number one league pass team, I had the uh, Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals with Denver finally breaking through and making it to the finals. That's my Western Conference pick. But if you want my heart of hearts, and this is not just because it's, you know, I'm doing my second uh, podcast with you, I'd love to see you and Minnesota because I love, you know, these up and coming teams with the, you know, the young talent and some vets in there. Like those teams are probably my one and two in terms of teams that I want to watch this year and teams that I would say, hey, I want them to win. No, I respect it. Uh, I respect it because it's your opinion. And in your heart of hearts, you have to have an opinion on what you believe is going to happen. I think that those are two good teams. Uh, I wish them the best, but I hope that this doesn't come true. <laughs> I, yeah. hope that, I hope that it's us uh, yeah. in the conference finals and then bringing it on back to the Smoothie King Center for the finals, which would be really, really cool for our fans, for the organization, for so many reasons, but mainly because I think the city deserves it. Another team out there hoping, perhaps, uh, I think is the Lakers. I think most people would probably look at the Lakers and say, like, you're going to need MVP type of season from Anthony Davis and then, you know, one or two more surprising performances um, for that to be like top of the top of the West type of team. But we just saw um, where Darvin Ham, Lakers coach, mentioned that Russell Westbrook could be coming off the bench. He said uh, it's not a demotion, Ham said. He said it's realignment. He said, uh, Westbrook totally understood. He looked me in the eye and said, yeah, coach, whatever you need me to do. So where I'm wondering about this is you started off coming off the bench and then, you know, became a starter and never let go. I'm curious, what, what is that like? The differences between coming off the bench and starting? And if you are like in your position now, let's just say down the road, you're asked to come off the bench. Is it more than just ego involved? Is it an actual sort of uh, demotion in your mind or, or a complete difference in how you play? First of all, let's recognize the adjectives that that, that Ham used, right? Mm -hmm. Realignment. Yeah. I, I wonder how... I like wonder braces. How, uh, <laughs> you could call it whatever you want, but in the eyes of the mass media, the eyes of the fans, it is a demotion because mm -hmm. this is a star caliber player. So let's just be honest. This is a surefire Hall of Famer. It is a demotion. Is it rightfully so? I don't know. That's to be determined. But if the case is for them giving him more opportunity to be with the second unit, if the case is that they want to work on spacing issues that were obviously clear in the starting lineup, then I understand them, you know, trying to say it's a realignment. If the issue is that they feel like it's not a good fit and they just don't want to admit it, then that's, a, that's another story that they have to kind of figure out. But I think to answer the second part of your question, it is hard to come off the bench, not just for the ego, if you've been a starter, but also for the body, you know, the way you train, the way you work out, the way you adjust, the way you stay warm has to change. I think he had a hamstring injury in the last game. 
you rev yourself up to get ready for a game. You see me, you know, I do a pregame workout. I get a sweat in, right? I did that in Miami. I go back, I get a lift in. I might get on the bike. I might do a core exercise. And then there's like a time where you cool down. I might go to the chapel. Um, we kind of go through our normal routine. I get taped or whatever. And then you rev yourself back up in warmups. And then generally speaking, the game starts after the national anthem. If you're a starter, you kind of you kind of understand your time 10, 12, 13 years in. Russ has been doing the same thing, the same, the same handshakes, the same leave his team, go do his, do what he wants with his warm-up jersey. Thank you for mentioning that because he's been doing that for his entire career. He's been doing it this whole career. So you have a routine and now your routine changes because now when the horn goes off, the national anthem ha happens, you're going back to the bench. Now you need heat packs. Now you got to get on a bike. You got to try to stay warm because you're jumping into the game while the game's already moving as opposed to jumping on the boat before it takes off. I think it's completely different. It's hard. It takes a very skilled player, a very – mature player to have to go from one extreme to the other obviously he's capable of figuring it out but it's going to take him time to jump into a game you know six minutes into the first quarter three minutes into the first quarter whatever the rotation is that's different than starting the temperature is different mm -hmm. in the arena it's cold the way the game is flowing is different and i think the last thing i'll say is it's important that we remember two things right they always said it growing up it's not who starts it's who finishes and i think this will be indicative of how they view him as a part of this team. If he's finishing games, like that's really important to finish games because that's when the money is made. That's when the execution matters. That's when the best players are generally out on the court. Even if they weren't considered the best player to start, right? You're the best player for the piece of the puzzle to finish the game. I think that's important. And I referenced my brother playing in Europe and being the highest paid and coming off the bench, but finishing games. I don't know what the psyche is in the realignment, but your brother, yeah. Eric, my brother, Eric, who plays in, in, in Europe, he's he's playing this year for uh, uh, a team in southern Russia. I don't want to mess up the pronunciation of it, but Karsiaka, I think I'm saying that mm -hmm. right. Karsiaka. But say all this to say that I'm interested in seeing who's in the game with three minutes left, not who's in the game with 90 minutes left in the first quarter. What? So. All right. So let's just say. Because the idea is you're bringing him off the bench so that he could run the second unit, whatever, you know, however long that actually is. Uh, usually later in the season, or the postseason, there's not really a full second unit anyway. Uh, but to run that. So his mentality, the way he plays, ideally would go back to what he's used to, right? <clears throat> Taking the lead role. Right. But if he's finishing and he's finishing next to LeBron, next to AD, next to whomever else, Pat Bev, can he still have that mentality or does this still become, all right, well, when Russ is, starts the game, when he gets into the game, he can be Russ. But uh, afterwards, he's just going to have to be more of a different type of role player. Like, that's got to mess with his mind, too, right? To, to When to turn it on, when to turn it off during the game. I think he's in a tough position because of the way he plays. He's a ball-dominant league guard. He initiates the offense. He gets rebounds. He starts the fast break. He's playing alongside another ball-dominant player in LeBron James, who's arguably the most dominant ever because of how he rebounds, initiates the offense. He can play one through five. His gravity is unlike any gravity we've seen. I didn't even talk about AD who plays in the mid range, the same space that LeBron plays in the same space that Russ also plays in with them all in the court at once, no matter when it is beginning a game or end, 
it causes spacing issues until they can kind of figure out what spaces they should exist in, right? Like is AD popping or is he rolling? Is Brian popping or is he half rolling? Is he playing at the dunker? Like there's a lot of issues that they kind of have to figure out. Same issues we're going through right now in New Orleans. Is is Z short roll or is Z strong roll? And when he mm. short rolls, where does JV go? Right? Like we're going through the same issues now and it takes time to play together to figure it out. But I say all this to say, they're going to have to figure things out, whether that's beginning of the game or end of the game. And Russ has to be himself. He has to be in attack mode because when he's not in attack mode, he's indecisive. He's not the same level of basketball player that we are accustomed to seeing. So that figuring it out, like obviously, I guess with AD being out, the amount of games he was last season, not even close to enough time, would you say, to try to figure out those things? Who's doing what, you know? Uh, and so this is probably sort of a starting over, especially with a new coach. Absolutely. A starting over. Obviously, they've gone through camp. Guys have been in and out the lineup, but you've got to play in real games of consequence. Practice is great, but you need real games of consequence where winning and losing is decided based on your execution to where if it doesn't work, you go, how do we make this work? How do we figure it out? And if it does work, you say, OK, I like the way we did this. Let's do more of this. Hey, maybe. I should pl- I should pop more than I'm rolling. And then the other guy says, maybe I should get to the dunker instead of being, you know, teeing, teeing or circling the rim. I think you have to have that dialogue, but you need to see what it's like against another team because going against your team is great, but your team isn't making adjustments in a, in a, in a squad scrimmage. You, go, you get to the real season, they're making adjustments in game by quarter. And then you got a scouting report five games in and game six is different than game one. You guys played when you were in Portland. You played AD in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Are you talking about the time we got swept? Was that the first round? Oh, my bad. <laughs> I knew you guys played. I thought it was the second round and you beat them. No, so that was no, them upsetting you? Yeah, they swept us. And that was a time in which AD played more five, right? Like mm-hmm. he was playing a lot of five when they had uh, Mirchich. They had um, obviously Drew Holiday. They had Etoan Moore. They had Rondo. They they mixed their lineups up a lot, but AD played a lot of five that year. And he also shot he shot the ball better than I've ever seen him shoot before. But, yeah, I say all this to say they have a lot of things they need to figure out, just like the rest of the league. The rest of the league has issues. Yeah. The Warriors, the Denver, the Denver Nuggets have to change how they play, obviously bringing, bringing back Jamal Murray, bringing back certain players, not having Will Barton. Like each team has to figure out some things. The Dallas Mavericks got to figure some things out now that they don't have Jalen Brunson. Like mm-hmm. there's a list of things that need to be changed for every team. The Suns don't have Jay Crowder. People don't understand how important he was to that team. He's one of the guys in the starting five that didn't care about points. The reason I was asking, though, real quick about AD and this belief that he has and maybe other people around him have that he can become this MVP type of player and sort of overcome all the you know injury issues that people say, or not people say, is his biggest uh, issue in his career. As a player who played against him at this level, at that level that he was at, do you see that still in him? Do you see that sort of underrated version of the Lakers that say, hey, like, you guys aren't really you're selling AD short. If he plays whatever 75 games, it's it's going to be nasty. I mean, AD is a special player. There's no doubt about it. His talent has never been unquestioned. Like people never thought like, like AD is not good enough. That's never been the knock on him. The knock is he needs to be able to be available for his team. He's had a lot of injuries, which is true. But when he's available, just like some other players in the league, 
he's exceptional. He's played the he's played some of the best basketball in his career when he's available. You know, obviously the bubble championship occurred, but he's a he's a very very difficult cover because he can score in the post. He has a mid post. He has a fadeaway. He's got jump hooks. He can dunk on your center. He can drive by your four man. So like he's definitely skilled. It's just a matter of does he play more five? Does he play more four? How do they work out the spacing issues that they've had historically? And how many games are they going to play this year? I think those are the same questions that they went through last year. And obviously, he ended up getting hurt. So it wasn't what they wanted uh, from, a, from a team standpoint. The bubble championship occurred. It sounds like you have some questions about the bubble championship. No, no, I mean, like, it happened. It's yeah. we all competed. We all were trying to win that bubble championship. <laughs> like I wanted that bubble championship too. Like that that bubble ring would have looked great on my finger right now. Yeah. But he played his best basketball is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like knocking down threes, getting to the cup, posting up. He showed that his skill set is what we all always thought it was. That was real over there, right? The um the idea that it was like really pure basketball because you're there all the time and you know, no crowd, everything no. else no other distractions it was just basketball and i think that that brought out the best in everybody because it was times i was getting treatment at 2 a.m like that would never happen with our staff at least but we're all in the mm -hmm. same place you play a game i might watch a game and next thing you know i'm getting acupuncture at 2 a.m <laughs> you know what i mean like the recovery time of not having to travel like all those things made this some of the fun the most fun basketball that i've been a part of we um we talked a little bit before um about Draymond Green and the Jordan Poole incident. Well, since then, Jordan Poole, four years, $140 million extension. Andrew Wiggins, four years, $109 million extension. Um, Draymond has effectively he's back, you know, with the Warriors. There's no suspension, which is great because then he wouldn't have gotten his ring on opening night. Um <laughs> I was curious though, where because you 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 know, when you look at the Warriors and it's they're basically announcing, hey, Wiggins, Poole, obviously part of our future um, with Draymond next year's a player's option. After that would be a free agent if he, he opts in, um, probably not going to opt in these individual scenarios, especially with a team like this, um, you know, dynasty in, in motion right here. Um, how much of these like individual agendas which I don't really like using that word because it makes it feel selfish, but it is what it is. Like everybody has to go through this stuff. How much of the individual stuff can like permeate into a season? How much do you have to like nip it in the bud? Uh, because I mean, in this one, they'll probably write documentaries about, right? Just similar to the last dance. So how, how much common is that throughout the league? It's very common. First of all, they're definitely going to be documenting this season because this could be the last season that they're all right. together considering the writing that appears to be on the wall. But I would say that it affects teams. It affects Raybond for sure, mentally. Um, I'm sure he's happy to see his teammates sign extensions. I'm sure he's excited about that, understanding that um, these are young young men, right? Jordan, obviously a young man who's securing his future, getting paid handsomely for uh, a great, unique skill set that is very rare in this league, especially for what the Warriors have as a roster. They need him. The future of basketball for the Warriors depends on a lot of that youth that they have there, considering that everybody um, that they have currently, Steph, obviously, Clay, Dre, have been there over 10 years. It's nice for them to lock in a 23-year-old for five years, right? Right. Look at Wiggins what he was able to do, how he revamped his career, how he showed versatility, ability to guard. He gave them, you know, a great outlet, if you will. He basically won some games for them in the finals. He showed 
what he's about, but he's also super low maintenance. You never hear anything about him. <laughs> he's right. never in the media. He never argues with teammates. He's very, very laissez-faire, if you will, works when his game goes home. Got vaccinated? I mean, Whatever that was takes, teammates, right? That's a good teammate. Got vaccinated, <laughs> won a chip, looked at Jordan Poole and said, you about to get paid. Said, you about to get paid and they said <laughs> we about to get paid and they did so i think that was cool but i i think yeah. the big issue here is that the warriors have decided that their future is more important right they lock in their future first they have a year left with draymond at, at the very least he has an option that he'll probably opt out of but i think they're just going to see how this year goes they know that four years from now three years from now they need to have a jordan pull on that roster they need to have a Wiggins, low low maintenance guy, high upside. They're still trying to figure out Draymond's role going forward, if they can afford it, if they want to spend the money. And they're also trying to figure out if they're going to win a championship or not. I think winning cures all. I've said it before yeah. a million times. Punching somebody in the face, getting into arguments. Well, uh, this feels like win-win for the Warriors regardless because Draymond's greatest value – is to win like he's not going to put up crazy stats in a season and just be like hey let me go get 30 rebounds a game and go get a max contract again no it's they've got to win for him to show his value so if he's angry or if he's playing for his next contract well that helps the warriors and what's weird is if you look at it and people are sort of up in arms like what draymond green he's been such a fixture is one of the three you know biggest reasons why that team's done what it does but this feels dare we say obvious right like an obvious decision? Definitely an obvious decision, considering the circumstances, but also considering how talented Jordan Poole is. You don't let Jordan Poole go to open market. That's First of all, it's going to piss him off. Second of all, he's going to get whatever this deal was, he's going to get that and some in the open market a year from now after he plays a full season presumably with Draymond, presumably with a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, he's only going to get more open looks. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to be more yeah. efficient. He's going to be more comfortable with what they're asking of him. And I think that would just make his value continue to increase. So you lock him in, you lock in Wiggins before Wiggins has an outstanding year again and does extremely well and drives up his market value and thinks to himself, mm, maybe, maybe I should get more money. So like you locked him in while you can. Obviously you'd love to lock in Draymond Green, but that's a big number. That's a big, yeah. big number that it's obvious that they're trying to figure out what the number is that they're comfortable with paying. And they're also trying to figure out is Draymond. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Content on being in the Bay. Like, does he want to be there? So I think that's an ongoing conversation they have to have. And he talked about how he didn't think they were going to get a deal done before all the, the Jordan Poole stuff happened. He went on right. the record saying that he didn't think they were going to get a deal done and that it would be a distraction throughout the season because we're going to ask about it. The media is going to ask about it and he's going to have to talk about it. But I think like other sports, it would be beneficial for them to, to kind of take the Lamar Jackson approach to where 
if I don't get this extension by Tuesday or whatever the day is, like I'm no longer talking about this extension. I'm going to play this year out and we'll figure that out in the off season. I think the more story is like you said before, if Draymond plays the best version of the basketball that he has to offer, which is flirt with triple doubles, set great screens, initiate the offense, get pool shots, get clay shots, get step shots, win games, he'll get whatever he deserves. It just won't come right now. Uh, yeah. And one of the things that Draymond mentioned, uh, when discussing this is he said, I hurt someone because I was in a place of hurt. And so he's got some like personal stuff going on. Didn't really get too much into it, but um, it sort of, you know, leads me to this Ben Simmons question. It's probably the last thing we'll talk about here. Um, he's back after a long time having seen him and it's nobody in the game where we question his mind more than Ben Simmons currently. And that can be pretty trying on a person. Like, I don't want to log on to social and have people, you know, playing amateur psychiatrist with me. Um, he said of blocking out the noise that he hears and sees on social all the time. He said, if it, it finds me all the time and it doesn't effing stop. Sometimes I'm even sick of it. But then I'm like, OK, I'm Ben Simmons. You know, even the other day, there was a clip of me airballing a shot at the park. Meanwhile, like 10 guys airballed multiple shots. So it's like people will find one clip and try to make it that everything like Ben can't do this or that. You think I'm just airballing every shot? It's not true, but you got to have tough skin. And I realize that, but I can't make everything personal. It's social media. Um, this to me was going to be Ben's challenge this year is overcoming just all of these, you know, cri critics and everybody that anytime he does something wrong, is just going to be amplified. When you hear him say that, do you think that that's a good way for him to approach it? And can you even like relate it all to that level of just people being on you all the time? Not just, you know, a comment here or there, but maybe even like an entire arena just mocking you. I think this goes back to the saying hurt people hurt people. And I think on social media, people try to take advantage of the fact that you don't have to see them in real life. And they say things that they wouldn't normally say. Um, because they have the courage of being in their own homes behind a computer or a phone or whatever the case may be. And I think us as athletes, we've grown and gotten to that point, like Ben Simmons says, to where they're going to spin everything however they want to spin it. I did see the air ball. I did send it to one of my group chats, and I did hear about how other players were airballing too because of the wind. And I thought to myself, that's how, that's that makes sense. It's outside. It's in Brooklyn. It's sure. windy. It's fall. Like it makes sense. I thought it was ironic that they only clipped him airballing when right. Katie told me he shot five airballs because it was so windy. Yeah. And Kyrie shot airballs too, but they didn't clip those. They only clipped his. And that kind of shows you how society works, but it also shows you how the internet works. They'll spin anything in their favor. But I think for him, he's had a long year to kind of to figure out not only his physical, but his mental aspect of how to get over certain hurdles. And I think him just being able to play, you know, in games again will be great for him. It'll be therapeutic because basketball is most of our escape. But I also think it comes a point in time where you just kind of realize and there's nothing I can do to make everybody happy. So I have to make me happy. I need to make certain family members of mine happy. And I need to play for something outside of the public eye. And I think if he gets to that, that point, maybe he's already there. This will be a great season for him. And he won't have to worry about the distractions that are associated with basketball because Ben could go hit five threes and someone would still have something negative to say. Wait a second. Can he? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a few things we didn't get into. We don't have time for it. You don't have time to ask me about my Eastern Conference predictions. I don't know if I want to get into that. There's a whole lot of history there. Um, and we didn't get to talk about Gordon Hayward's hair. Any thoughts? 
I thought the haircut was interesting. I've seen this side by side. Someone talked about the glow up and the glow down, but I think this is an issue in which um, I'm not a fan of the cut personally, but if he likes it, I love it. I think everybody has a right to whatever haircut <laughs> they would, they, they prefer. I think, I think um, I'm interested in seeing what the next haircut looks like because that'll tell me whether or not he was happy with this one. If he repeats it, that means he actually enjoyed it and it wasn't that the barber messed up. But wow, that was actually a thoughtful answer. I thought you were just going to point and laugh for a second. <laughs> no, I'm not going to point and laugh because there's times in which maybe your barber's not available and you got to go to a new barber or the barber just makes a mistake. Hmm. And I don't know if the barber made a mistake or not or if that's what he asked for. And wow. I think the next haircut will dictate whether or not he acts for that. Fate you got to be in a you got to be in an interesting place where if a barber makes your mistake and you're Gordon Haywood and you're just like, cool, I'll just rock this for a couple of weeks. No big deal. <laughs> not just for a couple of weeks. I'll rock this on national television yeah. at a press conference. OK, fine. I picked the Miami Heat to make the finals again. The reason being, CJ, is because I have to walk these streets, man. Like I'm out here. People know where I'm from. I had to pick the Miami Heat. I'm sorry. I think they're going to be a really good regular season team. They're running it back. So I probably won't look that dumb until the playoffs come. What do you think? Um, the East doesn't involve me, so <laughs> I'm, right. not, I'm not mad at the pick. But I, I do feel like a healthy Giannis and a healthy Chris Middleton and a healthy Drew Holiday mm -hmm. is very hard to beat. I think you look at the balance of the Eastern Conference, I think P.J. Tucker going to the Sixers helps the Sixers and it hurts um, the Miami Heat. I think having played against the Heat, I love the way that they play. I love the defensive intensity. I love the intangible that they have to offer. But I also understand there's a lot of depth in the Eastern Conference, just as there is in the West. So injuries matter, execution matters. And I think the most healthy team in that top, you know, Boston, um, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, all those teams. I think whoever's the most healthy is the team that gives themselves the best chance and will probably get out of the East. All right, let's make that the headline for this uh, episode. CJ hates the heat. Cool. All right. <laughs> I love <laughs> on the way out. Was good too. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, on the way out, quick shouts to Dikembe Mutombo. That's uh, second career NBA history in blocks. Uh, he's beginning treatment for a brain tumor. The NBA saying that the Hall of Fame Center is in great spirits. Uh, Nate Robinson also announced Saturday he's undergoing treatment for kidney failure after a four-year battle with the illness. He said he's undergoing treatment and sorry, he said currently undergoing treatment and have been privately dealing with the issue. I'm sharing this now because I want to be the voice for all those who are having trouble speaking about this illness and come together for a greater cause, our health. You know those guys, CJ? I do. I know both of them. Well, I got to meet Dikembe. Um, on my trip to Africa for the uh, Africa Global Games. And he's a, a great human being, you know, great personality. You hear his voice from a mile away. You know it's him um, praying for him and his family. I know he's done so much work, not only in our world, but also in Africa, and continue to figure out ways to empower um, his people and all people. So I'm praying for him. And Nate was just always infectious personality, super energetic, really, really good dude. Now, obviously, he's from the Pacific Northwest, great football player, great basketball player, but even greater human so i'm praying for them and wishing them the best and i think this goes to show you never know what people are battling in private right so just always understand that we all have our own battle but people are going through real things in private and they're not just sports heroes or sports figures that they have other issues that they may be battling on the inside that we have no idea about yep yeah so all the best to dikembe and nate and all the best to you cj and the pelicans this season this is uh, exciting man big uh big season for you i'm hoping 
I'm hoping, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching basketball again on Tuesday, playing on Wednesday, and then listening to this podcast on Thursday. So I think I think that'll be really cool. I know you're you're probably getting on the road soon, and we'll be traveling, covering games. So I'm, I'm wishing you happiness and safe travels throughout. And to all our listeners out there, we appreciate you tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this podcast and all podcasts that will come after this one. Thank you.